Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 43 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, you should be used to it by now, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. Now, on this show, we've brought you three guests... We'll be speaking to all of them in due time. And I tell you what, they've got a combined record of 63 wins and just one loss. What a serious, serious, serious caliber of fighters we've got on this week's show. So we've got a former world champion. We'll be speaking to him later. And we've got perhaps a new world champion come the weekend. And we've also got an undefeated heavyweight prospect. You know who the guys are. Of course, we're going to be speaking to them all pretty shortly. Now, we're going to waste no time. We're going to get straight into part one. We're going to start with a fight that took place over in Japan. This was on Wednesday. Jonathan Guzman stepped in the ring against Shingo Wake for the vacant IBF World Super Bantamweight title. Now, Jonathan Guzman was going into this fight with a record of 21 wins, all by a knockout. Shingo Wake, 20 and 4 with two draws. We've been raving about this guy. We've said a lot of good things about Jonathan Guzman before. And I tell you what, he proved us right in there on Wednesday night. Jonathan Guzman managed to win the vacant IBF World Super Bantamweight title. So he's the new champ. So I'm the new for Jonathan Guzman. I tell you what, he even managed to knock Shingo Wake out in round 11. So he won the bout by TKO in the 11th. So Jonathan Guzman now undefeated world champion. 22 fights, 22 wins, all 22 by knockout. Shingo Wake, I believe. I believe he's never been down in his career, you know, in his pro career at least. Um, and he also had never been stopped. So he's now been stopped. And Shingo Wake was down twice in the second round, once in the third round and once in the fifth round. And like I say, in the 11th round, he got the TKO. So Shingo Wake was up and down in that fight. And he put in a good performance, to be honest. But Jonathan Guzman, man, he really seems to be the goods down at Super Bantamweight. So that's really forever getting spicier and spicier that division and Frampton out of the picture now of course this is the IBF belt so this is Frampton's belt that they fought for here that he relinquished to go and fight Leo Santa Cruz which we'll be talking about in the preview part of the show in part two of course Uh, that's it for last Wednesday we're now going to talk about last Thursday so this of course was the 21st of July. Joseph Parker fought over in New Zealand in his hometown. So Joseph Parker fought Solomon Hamuno. Now Solomon Hamuno, we knew that he'd been stopped by Kevin Johnson. So that wasn't a, you know, that that's not something that, that, that makes you hold too much credibility. And Joseph Parker, he's a bit of a knockout artist. He went in there and got the job done and he cruised to 20 and 0 now, Joseph Parker, with a TKO in round four. Really, really good performance. This is 
like a little fight in between the supposed Joshua fight. So we're waiting to see what happens there. I think he might even squeeze one more in. I've been told by Joseph Parker's people that his next opponent should be announced sometime this week, I believe. Um, I haven't seen anything yet, but I'm looking forward to that. That's it for New Zealand. We're now going to go over to Connecticut, USA. Just one fight I want to mention from this card. Sergei Derevianchenko, 8-0, fought former world champion Sam Solomon. Now, I thought this was going to be a tough fight because I thought that Sam Solomon, with 57 fights under his belt, might be able to come with his experience and put something on this young, up-and-coming you know, exciting prospect in Derevianchenko. But I was so wrong. Solomon was down once in round one and twice in round two, and it was called a halt. So a second round TKO there for Derevianchenko. And Sam Solomon picks up his 14th loss. He's got a lot of losses, but he's a former world champion. You know, he's done himself proud in parts of his career, but he's well over the hill now. But, you know, it's a fantastic win and definitely a name for Sergei Derevianchenko. Vianchenko, and he's absolutely something to look out for in the future. He really is coming up and coming up fast. But that's it for that one. We're now going to go out to Argentina. Just one fight on this card I want to mention. Diego Chavez, he picked up a TKO in round five. Um, he fought Jorge Daniel Miranda, who had a really, really, really huge record 71 fights 55 wins 16 losses and of course Diego Chavez going into this fight 23 and 2 with the one draw so he extends his win streak another knockout Miranda's corner through the towing at the beginning of the fifth round I don't think they fancied their man's chances he took a bit of a beating up to that point but that's it for Argentina we're now going to come back to the USA we're going to go back to Connecticut he was on our show last week and I feel really sorry for him because he's a really good guy you know and uh, he deserves the best but it's been a real real bad run for the Jackson family Julius Jackson stepped in between the ropes to face Jerry Odom now Jerry Odom was 13 and 2 with one draw you know it's not a really good looking record if we're honest and he fought Julius Jackson as I said you know real gentleman he was on the show last week I wished him the best of luck but he come up short Julius Jackson he got TKO'd in the third round so I'm absolutely gutted for him um he was winning the first two rounds of this fight pretty comfortably and then he just got caught with an overhand right and he went down and he, I think he tried to get back up but the referee waved it off. You know, Julius Jackson, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm absolutely gutted for him and I'm, I'm shocked by this defeat. I don't know where he goes from here. Like I say, it's been a real bad run for the Jackson family now. Between Julius and John, the two brothers, it's three losses out of the last three fights between those guys. So they need to get back to winning ways and fast as well. That's it for that one in Connecticut. We're now going to go over to the big one, Saturday night Terence Crawford at the MGM Grand Las Vegas. He fought Victor Postel. Terence Crawford bringing his WBO World Super Lightweight title to the table and his 28-0 undefeated record to the table. Victor Postel bringing his 28-0 undefeated record to the table and also his WBC World Super Lightweight title. What a fight this was shaping up to be. Both men with a combined record of 56-0. Wow, oh wow. Ayers, firstly, talk to me about this fight what did you think of it what can i say crawford is a genius why what he he literally dominated postal throughout the whole fight in round five um, he dropped uh postal twice and obviously as the rounds go on post um 
Crawford just got better and better and obviously won the fight by five points. I tell you what, I must say, I thought, well, by five points, I thought that he won the round, he won the fight by 15 points. Now, I scored it 120-105 because of the knockdowns, the point that was taken away. I've got to say, I was so, 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 so impressed with um, with the footwork of Terence Crawford. I think his footwork is absolutely fantastic. He looked really, really good on his feet, and he just looked strong. You know, his legs look really strong. Very, very mobile he was, and I was very impressed with that aspect. Also, the fact that he's, you know, he's he's naturally an orthodox fighter, and he fought from southpaw stance from the first round onwards, basically. About halfway through the first round, he turned to southpaw, and I tell you what, Victor Postel was fighting like a man who hadn't been near a southpaw in his whole life. You know, he absolutely didn't know what to do and he was such a problem he just couldn't do anything about it he you know he was posing so many problems when he was in southpaw position Terence Crawford you know he was coming forward with, with the shots he was he was on the front foot a lot and then when he was on the back foot he was controlling it as well his speed was excellent his power was you really telling you could tell that he's got a lot of power at 140 his accuracy was just second to none and his defense was pretty good as well you know Victor Postel was really going for it at times when he knew that he was behind on the cards really swinging and he just couldn't hit him clean with anything he did land a couple of times but it really didn't bother Terence Crawford at all and the main thing that stood out to me is Terence Crawford's stamina the fitness of this man is just incredible he did look like I know that some I'm not too sure which commentator it was but they picked up on the fact that they said you know he could probably go about 25 rounds in here I think they nailed it with that I really do think he was so fit he could just move you know the movement it was the key to that fight he wasn't going to stand there and trade and he just done really good and in parts of it he did stand and trade and you know you could see he was the better man inside outside everything he just absolutely dominated him and I think we've got to say because I've never been huge on Postal I know it's easy to turn around and say this but I haven't been you can listen back to any of the you know the uh the the podcasts I've never been huge on him I think he got that one win over Matisse who's well over the hill in my opinion Matisse you know he relies a lot on his big punch and he beat him and then all of a sudden you know he fought him for the vacant title and he he beat him and he won the title and then that's it this is his first defense of it so you know he was a world champion he was 28 and 0 with with 12 knockouts i think and i just i wasn't too impressed i really got to be honest and i think that terence crawford was going to beat him all day long and it you know i didn't expect it to be that wide he did not win a single round it was absolutely dominating from Terence Crawford. He's now being linked with the Pacquiao fight. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I know that we spoke before the show, I as we both favour him to beat Pacquiao when Pacquiao returns to the ring in November time, I think they're thinking. Yeah, that's true. And uh, November time, like Pacquiao, they're saying rumours that he could fight Vargas. And if Pacquiao beats Vargas, then this future fight between Crawford and Pacquiao could actually happen. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope so. I'm not sure... You know, if if Terence Crawford is ready to move up to 147 yet, but I tell you what, if he wants a big fight at 140, Adrian Broner. I know you've got a little bit of news on him, but that is a fight I would absolutely love to see. Adrian Broner against Terence Crawford. I think that would be absolutely incredible if that fight could get made. But I just, I don't think it will. You know, I really don't. But that's it for that fight. There, we're going to move down the undercard. Alexander Gavodzik. 
I think I've got that right. I, I, I really apologise if I've got that wrong. I probably did get it wrong, to be honest. He was 10-0 going into his bout against Tommy Carpensi. Now, I tell you what, Tommy, Tommy Carpensi was, you know, he was supposed to get absolutely uh, battered, really. And, and to be honest, he, he sort of did. But he put his man down in the first round. So just as the commentator was was pay, picking up on something about the odds, I think he was saying, you know, this is this is a real depth in class here. You know, this guy's going to be the next big thing, Gavodzic. And then next thing you know, bang, he gets knocked down. And it was like, wow you know, curse of the commentator, but he got back up on his feet, looked a bit shaky, got, you know, got past that, that round there, sat in the corner, come out in the second round, respected him a lot more, to be honest. He, he kind of was a bit more cautious, but he got the job done in in uh, in round six. So he picked up a TKO victory, Gavods, and he moves on to what's next. Um, that's it for that fight. We're going to move down the undercard once again. Oscar Valdez extended his winning record to 20-0 and 0 with a TKO in the second round. He had his opponent down twice in round two. His opponent was the undefeated Matias Ruida, 26-0. and 0. Somebody's O had to go, and it was Ruida's. So Oscar Valdez, as I said, moves to 20-0. and 0. Jose Benavidez also extended his winning record to 25 and oh with a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds over francisco santana but that's it for the mgm grand we're now going to go over to sunday there was just one last fight to mention on the review part of the show before we wrap up this part this segment of the show over in ukraine only one fight on the whole bill apparently andre rodenko 28 and 2. He stepped in there against Marcelo Luis Nascimento. Now, I said he's a bit of a journeyman, but he's got a winning record. It's strange. He's he's hard to land on. He's very awkward and tall. And Andre Rodenko, I said he's going to do the business probably by KO, and it happened. So Andre Rodenko picked up the KO in round three. So he moves to 29 and 2. Bunch of knockouts on his record now. And he marches on, of course, to bigger and better things. And that is really it. It for the reviewing. There wasn't too much on last week. Um, I'm going to throw it over to you, Ayaz, now. If you could please bring in the news for us. Jürgen Bremer and Nathan Kevley will finally meet in a world title fight in Germany on October 1st. Yeah, you know, he gets another shot, um, Nathan Cleverly, and this time I really, really hope he can take it with both hands. You know, he's a lot of people think his best days are behind him. I thought so after the Bellew fight. And then he goes and put in a really good performance again against Fanfara. But then again, we've seen Fanfara get beaten since then. So I really don't know what Nathan Cleverly is going to show up. But this is a fight that's been brewing for a long time. It was actually on at one point a couple of years back, I believe, when Cleverly was with uh, Frank Warren. And for whatever reason, the fight didn't happen. And now he gets his opportunity. So I hope he can take it and roll back the old Nathan Cleverly because, you know, he was a good fighter. And it seems like we haven't seen him for a while now. He hasn't shown up. But if he can do it, then, of course, it would be absolutely brilliant. And it's another world champion for Britain. So I really wish him all the best in that one. Is there any other news, Ayaz? Yes. After almost 40 years as one of the most recognised voices in boxing, Sky Sports commentator and former WBC lightweight world champion, Jim Watt, has decided to retire. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, to be honest, used to knock his, his, um, you know, his commentary. And they used to say all these things about him. I think he's been pretty good 
at times. I don't really want to knock him too much. I think he's been good. Um, he's been a good servant for the sport, not just participating in it as an athlete and as a world champion, but also you know, taking to the microphones, getting his headset on. I think he's done a good job. Uh, I know that last year, I believe it was, he lost his daughter. Um, you know, she passed away very unfortunately. And I think, you know, I'm not sure what it is, but I think he's probably just had enough. He wants to take some time out and give most of his time to his family, which he should do, you know. And uh, I wish him all the best in his retirement. I know he'll still, he'll still be close to the sport in his heart. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sad to see him go. But you know what? We've got some real great commentators now. We really have. There's a lot of guys coming through. Actually, what I will say is, who do you guys want to see take his place? We know that, of course, somebody's got to fill his shoes. It's going to be hard to do so. Who do you guys on Twitter, please at us on Twitter, at Box Hard Podcast, let us know who you want to replace Jim Watt as a commentator. I'm going to put that tweet out this week, maybe after this show. So please let us know who you want. But um, yeah, Ayaz, thanks for that bit of news. Please give us any more if you've got any. Finally, four-weight world champion Adrian Broner turned up late for a court hearing and will spend the next month behind bars as a result. Oh, wow. You know, it's not the first stupid thing that Adrian Broner has done. He seems to just, you know, forget sometimes that he's a world champion. He's a role model, supposedly. He's got little kids. Or, or at least one little kid, you know, he's got, he's got a wife and I think he needs to really, you know, sort, sort out, sort himself out really. He's like a big kid and, um, you know, people like to hate on him and stuff. I'm not going to do that, but we, we need to see him, you know, wise, wise himself up a little bit. You know, he's, he's doing all this stupid stuff and he's getting caught out time after time and it's not good. It's, it's bad publicity, but you know what? They do say any publicity is good publicity. We're here talking about him on the Box Hard podcast. So maybe he's ticked one box there, but it's, is it really worth it? You have to ask yourself that. I don't think so. Uh, that's it for Adrian Broner. Is any more? No, that's it. Okay, well, with the news part done, that leaves us the other part of the show, the new part of the show, the part where we talk about the funniest names of boxing. Now, last week, there was a guy fighting. His opponent had yet to be announced. His name was Theophilus Dudu. Now, we were very, we're very, very sad to say that Dudu didn't happen. Now, I'm not saying that because I'm constipated. I'm saying that because his fight got postponed. We really want to see Dudu soon. Now, this, there's loads and loads of puns in there. Intended, not intended. We're going to leave here that his fight didn't happen. Okay, that's the main, the main thing that I'm saying there. And um, that's it for that's you know that's last week's one. But this week, I've gone through loads of names and. They're, we're not really sport for choice this week. Sometimes there's a bunch of them and it's really easy to pick. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But this week, there really hasn't been any, you know, standout names or anything like that. I think we're going to throw it over to a guy fighting in Japan. I don't know what you think of this one, Ayaz, but uh, it's a guy fighting in Japan over in Tokyo. He's facing a guy called Tsubasa Kura who's 7-0, he's a minimum weight fighter, okay, so the lowest weight class available, he's 7-0, and he faces, here it is, people, it's it's not the worst, you know, it's, it's not the worst name we've had, but his name is Bimbo Nationales, 
And I know we've had better, and there will be weeks that we have better, but this is the best I could find. Simple as that. Bimbo Nacionales, 14 wins, 11 losses, and one draw. It's an eight-rounder. We will keep you posted for next week to see his result. But we wish Bimbo all the best. But that's it for the funny part. That's it for the news. That's it for the reviewing. It's now time to welcome our first guest. Okay, now it's time for our first guest on this week's show. He's challenging the Superman Adonis Stevenson on Saturday night for the WBC Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Thomas Williams Jr. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, guys? Very good, my friend. Yourself? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Just winding down. Just waiting for the fight night. Now, just before yeah, we get on to your fight, sir, your, your fight, of course, on Saturday, I want to time travel back to three months ago, the 30th of April, the StubHub Center, Carson, California. Um, you made a real statement in knocking out Edwin Rodriguez. Of course, he'd only had the one loss on his record at the time, and it was to arguably the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter on the planet, Andre Ward. Andre Ward beat him on points over 12 rounds. You knocked him out in the second round. Ultimately, that win set up this fight for you. Um, talk us through that experience for you on April the 30th, because that really made your name in world boxing. Um, You know, uh, I kind of knew from... Um the previous fight that that would be a good fight for me. You know, we fought on the same car on November 13th in uh, Mississippi, and um, they called me and asked me that I wanted wanted the fight, and I said, yes, of course. Um, man, I, I, I just trained hard. Uh, I watched the tape of Edward Rodriguez, and I knew he would be a game fighter. I knew he would be a very stiff challenge, you know, um, but we got the job done. Yeah, of course. And it was a really exciting fight whilst it lasted. One thing I will point out, come fight night on Saturday, it'll only be 12 slash 13 weeks since April the 30th. Now, I don't know if you had any time away from the gym or not, but have you been able to have you been able to prepare ideally for this fight, which is obviously, you know, the biggest fight of your life? Um, yes. You know, um, after I fought Elba Rodriguez, I took the family to Puerto Rico. Uh, we went to Puerto Rico for about eight days. You know, uh, I came back. We had, like, a, a barbecue, you know. So I had a good two, two and a half weeks of just downtime, just doing nothing, just relaxing and enjoying my win. It is a quick comeback, but that's what all fighters want. All fighters want to be busy. You know, uh, I don't believe in being too busy. All fighters want to fight every couple of months if they can, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But um, have you been able to, you know, how has preparation been? Have you been able to get the most out of out of the time? Are you are you happy with just just twelve weeks? Because it's not too long, really, in between two fights, especially of this magnitude. Uh, yes, I'm definitely happy. You know, uh, it's not like I had to take this fight. You know, uh, it was just an opportunity I couldn't refuse. You know, um, I, I I you can't. I didn't get out of shape in the two weeks, so I came back in. Uh, near my weight, uh, everything was good. You know, uh, I, I think it's just the perfect time. Now, I want to ask your thoughts on Adonis Stevenson as a boxer and also a person outside of the ring. What are your thoughts on him, Thomas? Um, uh, as a boxer, I really don't see that much in his game. You know, uh, I think he's a power puncher. I really don't think he could box. Um, I really don't. 
I mean, he's a WBC champion. I mean, I can't, I can't take that away from him. You know, uh, but he's definitely able to be beat, of course. You know, he has one loss with his record like me. You know, uh, I really don't see that much in this game. You know, uh, he's okay. He's a WBC champion. That's all I can say. Okay. Who, in your opinion, is better out of Stevenson or Kovalev? They're both kind of different in their own way. You know, uh, the better overall fighter, I, w- I would have to say Kovalev. So if those guys both fought, you think that uh, Kovalev would, would win on the night? Well, they would never fight because I'm going to beat a Donald Stevenson. But if they did, I think Kovalev would win. <laughs> I like that talk. A minute ago, you said he's a WBC champion. I can't take that away from him. But you can. I think. I think. I, I definitely think you got a big chance of taking exactly that away from well, him. Well, I can't take away from him as a male. As a male, <laughs> you know, anything he did, anything he did before me, I can't take away from. Him. I mean, but you know, July 29th, it's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be WBC champion. People get things kind of twisted up because I have one loss, but I lost in a fight that I was winning. Um, I was up on the points. You know, I just got shot because of the cut. I mean, let's not forget. I mean, it's not like he was beating me up or something like that. I was actually present when Adonis Stevenson lost his first fight in Salisbury, Maryland. Yeah, of course. And just for those people, you know, over in the UK, for example, that perhaps don't know, they're not too familiar with your fighting style. Who would you say has got a similar fighting style to yourself? And also has, in your opinion, has Adonis Stevenson fought anyone who's anything like you? Um, uh, Adonis Stevenson has never fought anyone like me. Uh, very aggressive. You know, uh, I, 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 I know how to place my punches. I throw a nice body shot, real good body shots. You know, uh, I will compare myself to Mikey Garcia. Okay. Yeah, good friend of the show, Mikey Garcia, actually. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, I love Mikey. Yeah, Mikey's actually on our intro. Every every show he's on the intro. Um, he does a little little bit of voice talking for us on there, which which is great. Um, of course, this fight is going to be Southpaw against Southpaw. Now, I must ask you this, Thomas. I wanted to know. I mean, have you? Obviously, you've only had the twelve weeks in between, which you're saying's you know fairly long enough for yourself. Have you had some top Southpaw training for you know? In, in preparation for this fight? Because the one thing that stands out to me is I believe you've only fought one Southpaw as a pro. Am I right? Am I right with that? Uh, you might be right. You might be right. And that one Southpaw, I know that, of course, you wasn't getting beaten up in that fight, but it was to um, Campillo, which, of course, is, is the only um, the only blemish on oh, your you're, record. Oh, you're talking about me. You're talking about me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yourself, yeah. Oh, uh, no. I fought, uh, I think this is like my sixth Southpaw that I fought. Oh, but really? Fifth or sixth. Okay, okay, okay. Because I was basically going to ask you, especially in recent fights anyway, of course, you know, your only loss came to the Southpaw. Apart from that, all the top-level fighters you've been in with have been orthodox fighters. Now you're coming up against a Southpaw. And Adonis Stevenson, his record against Southpaws, he's knocked all of them out, everyone that he's fought. I just wanted to ask you, have you had some ideal world-level Southpaw sparring up, up up to this point? Because I think it, you know, it's a big factor on Fight Night to face arguably one of the best um, you know, Southpaws in world boxing in Adonis Stevenson. Well, you know, well, you know in boxing, you, you only can spar up to a certain level, you know, to the point, the level that we're at, should everybody that we're fighting that will be sparring, that will be top level, will be a potential opponent. So, 
we're not going to spar that high up in the ranks. You know, that goes for Don Skippy, that goes for me. I mean, uh, I can go back to a fighter uh, by the name of Peter Corlin. You know, uh, he fought, uh, I forgot the fighter he fought, but he had Julian, J. Rock Williams in training camp with him. He had Terrell Gachet, who's a former, who's a 2012 Olympian in camp with him. And he had one more person, and he said he gave up his best work in sparring. He looked horrible when he fought. You know, he had that top-level sparring. These guys are not guys, are sparring partner type guys. These guys are potential world champion athletes. And yeah. he said that he gave up his best work in sparring. So that worked in his uh, as, as a disadvantage for him. You know, so you sparring top-level guys and, Guys that are world champions, and I don't think that's a good. I don't think that's a good idea when you're preparing for a world title fight because you don't want to give up your best work in sparring. You don't want to leave everything in the gym, and I think that's what you will do if that happens. Okay, that's a fair point. But the, of course, I'm taking it. You know, you've had southpaws in, and you've done some good work with the southpaws. Yeah, of course, that's 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 great. Now, um, I want to ask you about a couple of fights that are coming up in and around your weight category. Um, of course, it's penciled in now for November the 19th, I believe, Ward against Kovalev. Now, I know that, you know, you're saying that, of course, Kovalev is the man if, if it comes down to him and Stevenson. But how do you see the fight going with him and Andre Ward? Um, I mean, Andre Ward still has to get past this guy on August the 6th. Yeah, of I course, mean, yeah. If he, can get past, if he can get past this guy, which I think he will, I think, it would be very interesting. I don't know who to pick in between uh, Kovalev and Ward, but I'll definitely be present at the fight. I don't know who, who's going to win. I really don't know. <laughs> it's definitely going to be a good one. Um, also, I wanted to get your opinion on a fight that's shocked everyone this side of the water. Kelbrook against Golovkin. I know it's a little bit a little bit underneath your weight class. It's, it's a couple of divisions down, but what do you think about that fight there? I, I, I pretty much follow boxing in every weight class. I like the fight, man. I really, I'm a big fan of Kell Brook. Big fan of Kell Brook. I think uh, he, he he's the man at 47. Um, I don't know about him moving up to 160 to fight a Triple G. They did a press conference, I think, last week. He looks kind of small compared to Triple G. Looks he looks real small, you know. Uh, it's gonna be tough for him. I, I know that it's definitely gonna be tough. Yeah, for sure. And also, um, I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to ask you, which I have to ask this to, to every guy we speak to from overseas, particularly in America. Everybody that everybody that I speak to overseas, I have to ask them this. Who is your favorite? Now, you can have as long as you as you need to, to think of one. But how, who's your favorite UK fighter from history? It can be past or present. Um, past or present? Uh, maybe... Maybe Frotch, maybe. Okay. Didn't expect that one coming out, but okay. Yeah, I know you I know I know you didn't expect that one. <laughs> so you was a fan of the Cobra Carl Frotch, yeah? Yeah, maybe maybe Frotch. You know, uh yeah, maybe Frotch. I mean I mean he only lost to I think Andre Ward, right? He didn't lose anyone else. Uh he lost to to um Mikhail Kessler as well. Really? Yeah, yeah, he avenged that defeat, but he lost to to Mikel Kessler on one occasion. Yeah, but like I say, he was able to to avenge that one. But that's his two losses. Uh, and the reason I like, I kind of, I mean, I like Carl Frotch, and he 
he like he like blasted George Groves. You know, George Groves was supposed to be this up and coming guy. He was supposed to be tough for Carl Frost, and he laid him out. <laughs> he laid him out. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a yeah. The, the, both those fights were absolutely huge. But um, but yeah, he was the better man on on the main night, on the second night, the actual deciding night. It was all strange on the first fight, obviously the the premature stoppage. But that's another story. Um, I just want to ask you for any kind of message to your UK fans because when I put the word out that we were going to be speaking with you, it actually surprised me. A lot of people seem to be fans of you. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to to thank anyone or give anybody a shout out. UK or USA, to be honest? Uh, man, you know, uh, I, I definitely want to thank all the UK fans, you know, uh, for supporting me. I just pray I just pray and thank them and just tell them just to continue to support me. You know, uh, one of the, one of my biggest influences in my life is my mom. You know, uh, my mom, single mom, raised me her, her best. You know, uh, we didn't have everything, but she gave us what she, what she could. And she was a hard worker, so that that's the person I want to let know who is my biggest influence in my life. You know, uh, you would think it probably would be um, one of these boxers or something, but it's my mom. You know, uh, I owe a lot to my mom. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's good to hear that nice touch from yourself. Now, the last thing I want to ask you before I let you go, Thomas. If I can squeeze you for a prediction for fight night on Saturday night, how do you think it's going to play out? It won't go the distance. I, I doubt if it goes six rounds. That, okay. that, that would be a long fight if it went six rounds. My prediction, I'll knock him out before six rounds. Okay, that's it. Now we're on record with that. Listen, Thomas, I wish you the absolute best on Saturday night. I really, really do. And I, I hope that, um, you know, next time we speak to you, we'll be speaking to the new WBC light heavyweight champion of the world. Thank you for giving us a bit of time so close to your fight, my friend, and God bless and the best of luck. Hey, thank you. See you soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part, you should already know that. We just finished speaking to him. We're going to start right over in Quebec, Canada. Top of the bill, Adonis Superman Stevenson. He faces Thomas Williams Jr. Now, we just finished speaking to him. Really confident, very, very confident, and a nice guy. Adonis Stevenson, 27-1. and one. Thomas Williams Jr., 20-1. and one. It's for Adonis Stevenson's WBC World Light Heavyweight title, Ayaz. This is going to be a good fight. It's on the Friday night, of course. Uh, Thomas Williams Jr. coming off that big knockout over Edwin Rodriguez. As I mentioned earlier, Edwin Rodriguez got in there against... Uh, Andre Ward and Andre Ward was the only man to beat him and it was over a 12 round unanimous decision now Thomas Williams Jr. got straight in there and knocked him out early so a big statement there and that is what has catapulted him into this fight against Adonis Stevenson 27 on 1 and Adonis Stevenson you know a lot of people looking at him as the number two guy in the light heavyweight division behind Kovalev what do you think about this fight Ayaz you know um, of course, we just spoke to him. You know, he's um, he's very, very confident, and he's he's absolutely sure he's going to stop him within six rounds. He said, um, and that'd be a huge, huge statement. He's definitely got the power to trouble him, but Stevenson's got the, the power to trouble anyone. Ayaz, how excited are you for this fight coming up on Friday night? I'm very, very excited for this fight. 
both men can bang and both men are going to go for a knockout. That's the only reason I'm excited for this fight. Yeah, it really is going to be a bang up while it lasts. Also on that card, Oscar Rivas. He's 19 and 0 at the moment, an undefeated uh, Colombian heavyweight prospect. He faces Jeremiah Carpensi. Um, that you know, that's that's a good fight for Oscar Rivas. He's, he's probably going to look good in it. And both guys undefeated in that in that fight. Uh, so somebody's always got to go. Oscar Rivas, promising prospect. That's it for Canada. We're now going to go over to Italy. Flyweight from the UK, Louis Norman, 11-2 with the one draw. He faces P.O. Antonio Natuno, 7-10 with one draw. So he's got a losing record, and this is a 12-rounder at flyweight. So I really hope that Louis Norman can go and do the UK proud and pick up a win on the road, which I think he can do for sure. Uh, That's it for Italy. We're now going to come back to the UK. We're going to go over to Leeds, Yorkshire, Top of the bill. It's a good, good, good fight. I tell you what, it really, really is. Josh Warrington puts his WBC international featherweight title on the line against Patrick Highland. Josh Warrington, 23 and 0. Patrick Highland, 31 and 2. Patrick Highland coming off that loss to Gary Russell Jr. What a loss it was. You know, he got knocked out. He got absolutely outclassed. But I tell you what, Patrick Highland's a nice guy, man. We had him on the show just before that fight. A real gentleman. But I tell you what, this is a bloody hard fight for Josh Warrington. A lot of people still not sold on him being the real deal. You know, still, well, he's the real deal, but not sold that he's like the next big thing. He's going to go all the way and win a world title. A lot of people not too sure. But Patrick Highland, we're going to find out because I think he's a tough, tough guy. Good record as well. You know, lost just the two fights, but both of them to good fighters. And, um, you know, he's a world title challenger. He's definitely the best fighter that Josh Warrington has been in with thus far of his career. And I think this is really going to going to be a, a really good fight. I'm, I'm really intrigued. And I tell you what, I honestly think that Patrick Highland could could do the upset here. I don't think it's a huge upset. I think it's it's a real 50-50 fight, in my opinion, Ayaz. What do you think about that fight? Yeah, I, I reckon it's a 50-50 fight. Obviously, um, like you said, Patrick Highland's coming from a loss uh, from Gary Russell Jr. But then again, Josh Warrington just beat Amagasa. So it's going to be a very tough fight. So it's, it's a 50-50 fight. But obviously... Come fight now, see who's the best. But if I have to go for a winner, I'm going to go for Josh Warrington. Because that fight, if Warrington beats um, Patrick Highland, is set up for a fight uh, with Lee Selby. Yeah, I mean, that's the fight that we want to see. But uh, Patrick Highland's in there to 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 abort their plans, really. He's in there to, to make them... You know, to, to cause an upset, and he really, he really could do it. You know, I think Josh Warrington was really good in his last fight, as you mentioned against Amagasa. Really impressive. A lot of people thought it was going to be really tough. You know, and he absolutely dealt with him. So a brilliant win there, and a and a bad loss for Highland. But we're going to have to see on fight night. You know, he's definitely fresher, Josh Warrington. But it's really like youth against experience here, I think. But that's it for that fight. We're going to go over to the undercard. Luke Campbell fighting for the vacant WBC silver lightweight title against Argenis Mendez, twenty-three and four with the one 
draw and Luke Campbell 13 and 1. This is going to be a good fight. And Luke Campbell, a lot of question marks over him. He was supposed to be the next big thing, you know, Olympic gold medalist. And then he lost uh, that fight last year. And I tell you what, he's, he's looking to turn it around and he means business. I think we're going to see a really impressive Luke Campbell on fight night. Also on that card, Tyrone Nurse puts his British super lightweight title on the line against Tommy Coyle. Tyrone Nurse, 33-2 and two with the one draw. Tommy Coyle, 22-3. and three. This is a really good fight as well. Another 50-50 in my opinion here. A lot of guys tipping Tyrone Nurse to win. I think he's the favourite. But Tommy Coyle, he's been taking this really serious. I think he sees this as like a last chance saloon for him. So, uh, he's, you know, both guys really, really hungry here. A lot of good fights on this bill, I really have to say. Also on this bill, Gamal Yafai, 9-0, faces Josh Wow, 20-8 with the two draws. A lot of guys going with Gamal Yafai to win this one. It's for the Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title, the title that Gamal Yafai holds. We know that he looks the real deal. He really does. He's only fought limited opposition at the moment, but he's very promising. He hasn't really put a foot wrong. Um, he's he's come. He's been in deep water a couple of times, actually, and he's come through it pretty comfortably. But Josh Wow, he's, you know, he's a good fighter, a lot more experience on his side. 30 fights under his belt, but I definitely have to go with Gamal Yafai for this one. I think he's he's definitely a future a future contender, at least, to be honest. Also on that bill, Dillian White against Dave Allen. We will be speaking to Dave Allen very, very, very shortly. He'll be on probably in about five to ten minutes' time. Dillian White, 17-1. and one. Dave Allen, 9-0 and oh with the one draw. It's for the vacant WBC International Heavyweight title. Dave Allen, real, real nice guy. Very, very hard to dislike him, to be honest. I has a lot of people giving him stick on Twitter. A lot of people saying that he shouldn't even be in the same ring as Dillian White. It's a little bit harsh from my point of view. I don't think he's done anything wrong as a pro at all. I know he had a bit of a stinker with Jason Gavin in his last fight, and it wasn't really his fault. It was purely, you know, it takes two to tango, and Jason Gavin come and made it really, really ugly. He didn't go in there to win the fight. He just came to make it very awkward. Um, what do you think about this fight, Ayaz? I mean, how much of how much of a good fight is it? Um, I reckon it's a good fight. Obviously, they've both been, they've both been making the fight huge by the trash talking and that. Now it comes to getting down on fight night. This is for the WBC International Heavyweight title. So it's going to be a very good fight. Obviously, if White wins, there's there's rumour, speculation that that could set up for a fight with Derek Chisora. Yeah, there's talks of that. There's also a lot of trash talking this week from Antonio Tarva. That's a fight I don't think is going to happen. I think that's... I think he's going to want too much money, to be honest, for for the you know for the stock that Dillian White has at the moment. But saying that, a lot of people on that bandwagon with Dillian White, they really, really are. After that Joshua fight, he seemed to get a lot of people supporting him, and he done really well in that fight, as we all know. But it's it's going to be a good fight. I really think it is. I think Dave Allen has been trying his best to get a big fight and he's he's landed it here maybe it's come too soon I don't know but the best man will win I like both guys I'm not gonna 
you know, start picking winners and stuff like that. I really do like both guys. I really wish them both the best of luck and made a best man win. Also on that card, Ryan Bennett, 13 and 0, puts his WBC international bantamweight title on the line against Cesar Ramirez, 12 and 2. Ryan Bennett, we know that a lot of people are talking about him being in a world title fight within the next year or so. So that's very, very early. He's only 13 fights in at the moment. He'll be 14 fights in come Saturday night. But, you know, they're looking to move him fast and he's got all the skills and quality and Adam Booth absolutely raves about him. I know that he trains him, of course, but he says he's like the most talented fighter he's ever seen, you know, he's ever been in the gym with. So that's that's really good, encouraging stuff to hear about Ryan Burnett. And I wish him all the best of luck for Saturday. Also on that card, Sam Eggington, 17 and three. He faces Daza Usher, nine and six. It's a six rounder at welterweight. Um, Sam Eggington really looking to get back in there from that loss to Bradley Skeet. Bradley Skeet, we had him on the show last week. He'll be in Cyprus now. He's having the time of his life. I've, I've seen the pictures. He looks he looks in tremendous shape. I know he's he's going through the paces out there as well, but it's, it's not only that. It's also a little break for him, which he definitely deserves. So Sam Eggington, we wish him the best of luck, and I'm sure he'll get the job done in good fashion. Also on that bill, the return of fun time Frankie Gavin. He's been out the ring. We're not going to talk about why but there's a few things that that's gone on outside the ring and um you know we're happy that he's he's able to return and he's got a record of course of 22 and 2 he faces Ivo Gagosevich um 12 and 16 with two draws it's a six rounder it's a welterweight so Frankie Gavin still campaigning at 147 and uh, you know I can't wait to see him back to be honest I really think that little timeout might have done him a bit of good I know it may not feel like that sitting on the sidelines but you know he's, he's had that timeout to think and recalculate and I'm sure he's going to come back really really hungry for it also on that bill I didn't even know he was on the bill but it's good to have him on there Vincent Feigenberg that's 22 and 2. He faces Wilma Gonzalez, 19 and 10, with one draw. It's only a six rounder, of course, at super middleweight. And Vincent Feigenbutz is probably going to get the job done in style here. Also on the card, two prospects. Jake Ball, 5 and 0. Oh. He faces Christoph Golech, 1 and 4, with the one draw. It's a four rounder at light heavyweight. And the other prospect making his second professional outing, Felix Cash, 1 and 0 oh at the moment. He faces Sonny Whiting. So Felix Cash, they're looking to move him fast as well. But we wish all the matchroom fighters, all the home fighters, the best of luck on Saturday. That's it for the UK. We're now going to go over to Fantasy Springs Casino, California, USA. Joseph Diaz Jr. We've talked about him a lot on this show. He's 20 and 0 at the moment. He faces Victor Proa, 28 and 1 with two draws. This is a real tough test for Joseph Diaz, but one that I'm sure he'll prevail in. He's a really good fighter. I'll tell you what, he really, really is. I've said it a million times on this show now. He's definitely one to look out for. It's a 10 rounder at featherweights. That's all I can say. He's going to probably go in there and get the job done, maybe even by knockout. But this is a real, real tough fight really is so we wish Joseph Diaz all the luck in the world also on that card Antonio Orozco 24 and oh he faces Abner Lopez 23 and 5 it's a 10 rounder at welterweight another good fight in a casino I like the fights in the casinos I think they're really good but that's it for that place there that's it for Fantasy Springs Casino we're now going to go over to the Barclays Center Brooklyn this is a huge 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 card I really 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 like the fights on this bill 
I really have to say I do. It's not so much, when I say huge, I don't mean like a big number of fights. I mean some good fights. Now, we're going to start with top of the bill. No, we're not. We're going to start with bottom of the bill. Danny Jacobs, WBA world middleweight champion. He puts his belt on the line. His opponent yet to be announced. His record 31 and 1. And we can't really say much about the fight because we don't know who he's fighting. But an incredible, incredible man. He's overcome cancer. He's gone and won a world title. And he's a true inspiration. So we wish the best of luck to Danny Jacobs. Also on that bill. Um, the WBO World Female Featherweight titles on the line between Amanda Sereno, 28 and 1 with the one draw. She faces Kalita Silgado, 14 and 6 with three draws. So it's good to see the women's boxing get a bit of you know a bit of notice here and it's on a really really big bill also on this bill Ivan Redcatch 19 and 1 with the one draw he faces Tevin Farmer 21 and 4 with one draw this is 10 rounds in the lightweight division also on the bill Paulie Malinagi Paulie the magic man Malinagi 35 and 7 he faces Gabriel Bracero 24 and 2 Paulie Malinagi you know we know that he's He's passed his best now. Even he'll tell you that himself. But he's looking for one last run at the title. And, um, you know, I wish him all the best of luck. He's an absolutely incredible guy. And, you know, we're, we're big fans of him here. I always have done. I've met him a couple of times. And he's a true, true gentleman. Also on this bill, the return of the undefeated world champion we're going to be speaking to him again in about five minutes time Mikey Garcia 34 and oh two and a half years out of the ring he faces in a comeback fight Elio Rojas 24 and two now Elio Rojas is a former world champion as well so Mikey Garcia coming back to the ring with no easy touches no time to waste he cannot wait to go and as I say we're going to be speaking to him in about five minutes time but I'm so excited to see the return of him a true 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 world champion true pound for pound top 10 when he was active we cannot wait to see him back also on this stacked bill Sergei Rabchenko 27 and 1 he faces Tony Harrison 23 and 1 over 12 rounds in the 154 division Sergei Rabchenko you know he's being looked after by Ricky Hatton and he's you know he's, he's a good fighter and we can't wait to see who's going to win this fight because both guys have a combined record of 50 wins and just two losses and the winner goes on to bigger and better things for sure it's probably a world title fight next I'd imagine for one of the you know for whoever wins it and now the main event Ayaz I know that you've been looking forward to this fight for a long long time Leo Santa Cruz 32 and 0 with the one draw Carl Frampton 22 and 0 somebody's O has got to go combined record of 54 wins no losses this is for the WBA Super World featherweight title Leo Santa Cruz the champion of course Carl Frampton moving up in weight to fight him both men have been calling each other out for a couple of years now we're finally seeing it on Saturday Night Eyes at the Barclays Centre Brooklyn talk to me this is going to be a fight and I mean a fight Santa Cruz he is um, I'll tell you one thing Santa Cruz is a warrior but Frampton is is a very good boxer obviously like you said someone's always got to go right yeah last, last time we saw Santa Cruz fight was against Kiko Martinez and obviously, Santa Cruz knocked him out within the fifth round. Frampton's last fight was a unification fight against Scott Quigg. And now he's moved up a weight, moved up from super bantamweight to featherweight to fight Leo Santa Cruz. But I'll tell you one thing, this is going to be a war. 
He's going to be a war. It really, really is. Leo Santa Cruz, you know, he's a proven, he's he's a proven real champion. You know, he's he's not a paper champion. He's a good fighter. And we didn't think this fight was going to happen. We really didn't. You know, they've both been calling each other out, as I said, for a long, long time. Carl Frampton moving up in weight, and and he's serious about his fight. He's, he's really serious about his fight. Looks in tremendous shape, I may add. And um, this is a real pick and fight. I think it's a 50-50 eyes. Um, I know that we. We have we've kind of let the, um, the you know the prediction league go a little bit. I think last week we we we've kind of forgot to mention it. I think we both went with someone. I can't remember who we went with, but um, yeah, I think last time that we remember it, I think it was one nil to you. Now we can bring this into play in this one if you want. Um, I'm gonna go with Leo Santa Cruz to win this fight. Who are you going with? I'm going to go for a Carl Frampton win on points. Okay, all right. You're going with Carl Frampton. So we don't have to talk about the method because I'm going with Cruz. You're going with Frampton. So um, we're going to put that on the line. So it's either going to be 2-0 to you or 1-1, one, one, all right? So you keep you keep, uh, you know, you keep know, the scores. Remember, no cheating. I've told you before. I know you've tried, to, you've tried to add a couple of scores to yourself on fights that didn't even take place. So I'm watching you. <laughs> but that's it for the Barclays Centre Brooklyn. One last fight to mention. It's happening over in Latvia on the Sunday. That is Sunday, the 31st of July. One fight I want to mention, Dmitry Chudinov, 18-1 and one with the two draws. That's the guy who lost to Chris Eubank Jr. He faces Andreas Pokomiko, and this is an eight-rounder at light heavyweight. So Dmitry Chudinov has gone up in weight and he faces Pokamiko. Nine wins and 11 losses. It should be a comfortable win for Dmitry Chudinov. But that's it for the previewing on this week's show. We've got two more guests to speak to. So it's now time to welcome our second guest. Okay, now it's time for our second guest on this week's show. He's in a big fight on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Dave Allen. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for having me, mate. Thank you. No problem. It's my pleasure. Now, the first thing I want to ask you, Dave, um, there was a big deal made out of something that you said about having X amount of weeks not being long enough to train for Dillian White. And then after that, of course, you ended up taking the fight. I may have it slightly wrong, but what is it you actually said? If you can clarify that and what ended up happening? Yeah, I was offered the fight. um, Three and a half weeks notice I was given. So, um, but I wasn't actually offered the fight. I wasn't actually offered it personally. Um, Dillian said what he said at the press conference. My manager, Steffi Ball, didn't actually offer me the fight. Um, Sky Sports came to me and said, what do you think about the fight? And I, and, and I did say I wouldn't be ready in three, in three weeks. Um, I did say that. I had a couple of days and I sat down. I watched, I watched a, a bit more of Dillian. Obviously, I've seen all of his fights, but I, I sat down and I watched them. And the opportunity to fight Dillian White wasn't going to come again. This was, the, this was the chance to box him. Um, I watched him. Um, and I believe it's worth the the what comes out of the, the winning this fight um, is 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 better than the risk. You know, it's worth the risk. Um, this can catapult me on into at least a British title fight and maybe beyond. You know, people have got Dillian up there near nearing world class. So I just think you know, three weeks notice. It's not it was not ideal, but it was definitely worth the risk. And it's definitely a fight. You know, if Dillian doesn't take me seriously, it's definitely a fight I can win. You know, I'm. I'm I'm confident. I'm not taking it. The money isn't even great. People are thinking I've changed it. Cost uh, I've changed my mind. Cost the money. The money's not great. I took it for the opportunity, and and I wasn't sure when the opportunity was going to come around again. So that, that's basically why why the U-turn happened. 
do you feel that you're being overlooked by Dillian in this fight? I know a lot of guys on Twitter are saying a lot of rubbish, but do you feel yeah. like Dillian's overlooking you? I don't believe so because there's not many British guys that go, go, go to swallow Vladimir Klitschko. And recently, the three heavyweights that he's had over there, you know, in the past couple of years, have been myself, Anthony Joshua and Dillian White. So Dillian knows himself what is needed and, and what calibre of fire you have to be or you or people see the potential in you to, to go over there. So the fact that me and Dillian was over there at the same time in the same camp, he knows that can fight. Um, you know, from, from what's happened in the ring, what we've achieved in the ring, opponents and, and, and sort of stuff, you know, Dillian is shown to be a level above, you know, he's fought the higher calibre of opponents, he's boxed for the British title. So, you know, but I think personally... If he has underestimated me, then then he will get beat on the 30th of July. That's 100%. If he comes into the fight 100%, I know for a fact I've got my work out. I've got my work out either way, and, and so has he. But, you know, if he has underestimated me, you know, that, that that's, a, that's a big mistake. And I, I don't believe that he will have. You know, the last couple of weeks since I got the fight, I've been training 100%. Uh, because I'm expecting the best Dillian White. I'm expecting... The Dillian White from the Joshua fight, that gave Joshua a hard night. I'm not expecting the Dillian White from the back Aaron fight. And as you say there, you was in you was in the same camp with him in Klitsch, you know, for, for Klitschko. Um, yeah. You didn't get a chance to move around with each other at all? No, no. No, I saw him over there and um, I think me and Dillian are in the same boat, you know. We both spar very well. I can spar world-class fighters. I have numerous times and on my own. Um, I think we're both in the same boat where we're both relatively inexperienced and, and you know, on fight night we're not quite performing as we do in the gym. So, you know, it's an interesting one. July 5th, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can honestly tell you I don't know what Dave Allen's going to turn up and we don't know what Dillian White's going to turn up. That's why it's a very interesting fight. So, I'm very confident. I'm very confident of beating him and I see a lot of things that he doesn't do very well. So, yeah, we, we are very confident. Yeah, also there's that factor that he fought just a couple of weeks back, didn't he, on, on the Joshua undercard. So, of course, there's that factor because he's not the fittest guy. I mean, he gets, he gets knocked a lot for his fitness and, and yep. he's having two fights back-to-back pretty quickly. So there's that factor. I know you won't be banking on that, of course. Um, the other question i got for you, my friend, is does it frustrate you at all seeing so many people, you know, slating on Twitter, saying this is an easy fight, you know, um, because realistically, apart from landing that one shot on Joshua, what has Dillian done as a pro that you yourself couldn't do? That's why that's what I scratch my head about. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel like his best win is Minto, Costa Junior, Nascimento. Um, I don't feel like I don't feel like they're better wins than Oriang and, and Gavin. So you know, it doesn't give me confidence. But like Joshua aside, I feel like we're pretty much on the same level. We're pretty much done the same things. You know, he's had seven or eight fights more, but. You know, he hasn't proved anything that I've not proved. You know, I don't think, I don't believe he's gone past halfway in a fight, apart from the Joshua fight. I don't believe he's completed more than six rounds. Um, there's a lot of question marks hanging over both of us. I don't believe he's near world level. I believe he's a solid domestic heavyweight right now, domestic level heavyweight. And and I'm probably not even a solid domestic heavyweight right now. You know, I'm looking to to make that transition to that level on the 30th of July by beating Dillian White. If I do so, I put myself... You know, I put myself as a I'm a British level title British title level heavyweight. Um, no more, no less. You know, and if I come up short against Dillian, I'm not quite ready for that level yet. You know, I'm I'm very I know where I'm at. You know, I'm not I don't I don't lie to myself. I don't lie to anyone else about things either. You know, if Dillian beats me. You know, I have to give credit to him. You know, he, he doesn't gain anything by beating me, and I and I I've got everything to gain and nothing to lose. So you know, I, I do give him props for taking the fight in in that respect.
it's, it's quite funny because a lot of people on Twitter who say this stuff, people come back at them and say, and what is this based on? If Dillian's going to win so so easily, what is this based on? And they don't ever reply. I've noticed that a few guys yeah. are questioning them. <laughs> um, just for the people that don't know, of course I know, but there's a lot of people that just think you've come out of the blue from nowhere. But for the people that don't know, um, obviously, you know, you, you fought, you fought um, you know, not the best level uh, opposition in the pro ranks, of course. You're only building yourself. But sparring-wise, what are the names you spar with? Just to remind some of the people, please. Uh, you know, Tyson Fury, uh, Anthony Joshua, you know, the, the Olympian Joe Joyce, Arthur Spielke, Hellenius. Uh, Fraser Clark, he's rated in the top ten in the amateur game. Um, you know, there's so many I forget. <laughs> I do forget. I can usually reel them off. Uh, Vladimir Klitschko. You know, I feel like I've I've sparred. I've definitely sparred the top three heavyweights in the world right now. You know, maybe Dante Wilder may may have something to say about that. But I feel like I've sparred the three best heavyweights in the world. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I know that Dillian sparred two and boxed the other. So. I honestly think the winner of this fight between me and Dillian, this is the breakthrough fight, the winner of me the winner of me and White, I believe, will go on to world level within eighteen months after the fight. I think both right now when the the potential that me and him have, I think potentially we're two of the best heavyweights in the world. But I've nowhere near showed what I can do. The Gavin fight was a blessing because if people if Dillian takes what I did in that fight and he takes that as what I can do, he's in for a rude awakening. And the same if I took him for the back earning fight. I'd be in for I'd, I'd be in for a I'd be in for a massive shock on the thirtieth. I've seen this by Klitschko. I know what it's capable of. I know if he, he can bring that into doing, I'm in trouble. But you know, I know on the thirtieth of July, you, you're not going to see me from the Gavin fight, and you're not going to see him from the back earning fight. I think we're going to bring the best out of each other. Um, I just believe I've just got that little bit extra. I think I'm just a little bit more athletic. I've only had three weeks to prepare, but I believe I'm just a fitter man. I'm just a fitter, better athlete, and I think I think my boxing has been highly underestimated from the Gavin fight, where I feel like. I wouldn't say I froze, but I just just didn't take it serious at all. I was very unprofessional. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to write a lot of wrongs from that night. Yeah, not only that, but, you know, it takes two to tango. And he come to make it so ugly, Gavin. You know, he, it was just, uh, you know, he wasn't really there to win or, or nothing. He was just there to make it ugly. Um, without giving too much away, David... Will you stand and trade with Dillian at all during this fight? You know, there's been a lot made about power and stuff. To be honest, you've knocked your power quite a bit. To be honest, like you, you know, you've got a, you've got a bunch of knockouts yourself for the for the yeah. amount of fights you've had. But will there be a will there be a point in this fight where you will stand and trade at all? Do you do you, do you think? Absolutely. The plan is to apply pressure, educated pressure. Um, I don't think Dillian Dillian can't box. I don't think Dillian's a great boxer. Um, he's very strong. You know, he's a very tough man. You know, Joshua Joshua gave him a lot of stick in them seven rounds. He gave him a lot of stick and he stood up to it until the seventh round. He, so, I, but I don't believe he's the best boxer in the world. I don't think he's, um, I don't think, I don't think he can, he can't outbox me is what I'm going to say. I'm going to be coming forward, I'm going to be putting pressure on, making him work. Because the way I'm going to beat him is I'm going to have to put pressure on and make him work. He, he's going to punch, he's going to, if he's in the mindset he's going to get me out of there in three rounds, he's, he's totally mistaken, you know. He'll not. No way in the world could get me out of there in three rounds, and I stand by that very strongly when I say that. Uh, I'm very tough. I take a good shot, and defensively, I'm very sound. So you know, I think he can. I think he's going to do all this talk about he's coming to outbox me, but I know for a fact when the bell goes, he's going to come and try and bang me out. And if he does, he's going to play into my hands. I want him to do that. People might think he's stronger than me, he punches harder than me, so he'll come out and he can just blow me away. He'll definitely not blow me away. 
I'll, I'll be there for the ten rounds. If 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 he if he doesn't if I don't stop him, the fight will go ten rounds. I will not go anywhere. I'm I'm very steady and I'm very fit, just physically fit. And and uh, you know if he can if he can out, if he can box if he's a, if he's a good boxer he's gonna outbox me, and he keeps it on the outside. You know it's gonna make it it will make it hard work for me. You know I'm not I'm not the best boxer in the world. Um, I can be outboxed, but I don't think I can be outboxed by Dillian White. There's, there was a bit of a, nobody quite knew what was going on. Everybody wanted this fight to be for the British title. The boxing board have refused this. Um, if you could just sum that up for those that don't know, what actually happened? What were the reasons behind it not being a British title fight? The board knocked it back because of uh, my inexperience. Um, said I was inexperienced. So, um, you know, that's basically it, you know. Um, I don't, I've not done a scheduled 10 round. If we no fault of my own, my last two fights have been title fights. The 10 round... Uh, for the ten, uh, supposed to be over the ten round distance, they didn't happen for one reason or another. I've ended up doing a six and eight. So, you know, if them two fights would have would have gone ahead, and I would have won them. You know, this would have been for the British title. But as it stands, it's for the WBC international title. You know, that, it's nice to win a belt, but really, it's meaningless to me because it, it gives you a world ranking, and and I don't need a world ranking right now because I'm not looking at world. I'm not working for world titles. I'm about two or three years off that. Eighteen months, two years, maybe even three years off that. You know, I don't have any. I'm not saying I'm world class because I'm not right now. Uh, I believe I can be uh, one day, but definitely not now. So the the WBC international belt that's just that's just something to make the fight look a little bit more glamorous. Um, the belt means very little to me. The British title means everything to me. So you know, successful against him on the 30th. For me, this is a final eliminator to the box of the Lonsdale belt. That's how I see this. Okay. The last, well, the last two questions I've got about this fight in particular, because I want to ask you about something else after. Just real quick for me. Um, Dillian White, of course, he's been linked a lot now um, with with Derek Chisora. Who do you see the better fighter between those two? If those two were to were to get it on, who do you reckon would win? And the other question: How much does your O mean to you? Could the fact that you're undefeated and Dillian White isn't does that make you hungrier as a fighter? Yeah, I think it works both ways. You know, you you, you definitely want to keep undefeated, but I think. Now Dillian's always gone, you know, he'd be more relaxed about things. When you're undefeated, the only thing you think about is, oh, I don't want to be beat, I don't want to... If I was worried about my undefeated record, I wouldn't fight Dillian White. Because this is a fight I go into as an underdog. Um, if I had eight-week preparation time, I'd still go into the fight as an underdog. Uh, if I was scared about losing my O, I'd keep fighting Jason Gavin on a week's notice. I'd keep fighting Eastern European imports. I want to fight Dillian White because I want to test myself. I know if I lose to Dillian White, I know my level. If I beat Dillian White, I know my level. That's what this is about. It's about finding my level. The O is very important. I don't want to lose anyway. If I had 50 losses on my record, I still don't want to lose. I, I'm a man. I don't want to be beat by another man in anything. So, you know, the O, the o mean, it means everything, but at the same time, it means nothing at all. It means everything to me, but I want to test myself. Um, I've been a pro three and a half years um, through fault of my own and through no fault of my own. My, my my progress at, at times has been very slow, um, and it was time to step up. And who better than Dillian White? Who better than you know? My profile has, got, has gone through the roof. You know, Dillian may not like the way I've gone about it, but we've all got to put food on the table, and we've all got to we've all got to do the best for ourselves. And that's what I've done, and I'm and I'm very happy that the fight's come. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, who do you reckon would win between Dillian White and Chisora if that fight were to happen? Yeah, so. Uh, Put me on Chisora because he's the more proven entity. Chisora's proven where he is. I think Chisora is on the slide. But from what we've seen, what I've seen of Dillian White, in all honesty, in the ring for real, because people who see me spar will say that's a world-class talent. They'll see me in the ring and say that's a work in progress. He's not even British title level yet. 
So from what I've seen of Dillian in the ring, he's a domestic level heavyweight. Where Derek Chisora is now, I think he's above domestic level. I think in two or three fights time, Dillian could beat Chisora, but right now he's not ready. The same way if I box Chisora tomorrow, Chisora I think could probably be too much, he'd be too experienced. Um, and that's why me and Dillian are fighting now. The winner, the winner of this fight, you know, the, this fight puts us on. The winner of this fight goes goes up another level. It goes up a level, you know. I think I think this is the best fight that can be made at domestic level in, in British heavyweight boxing. I, it, while I think the board made the right decision for it to not put the British title, because I've not earned it. I think we are the two best heavyweights at domestic level right now. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, now enough of that fight. Um, I want to ask you a couple of. Fun questions now, just yeah. a few, about four or five questions. If you could put your promoter's hat on and you could make any fantasy fight right now happen in world boxing, I'm not talking about your your Muhammad Ali versus your Tysons, yeah. but anyone who's currently on the scene, any weight, what fight would you put on? What fight would you like to see most in world boxing right now? Personally, I would like to see Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Oh. As a British heavyweight, and as a heavyweight that's, that knows both men, that sparred both men extensively. That's the fight I want to see. Um, I think the fight in 18 months' time will be the biggest fight in boxing. Um, right now, I think Tyson will be too much for him. 18 months' time. The thing is, I give Anthony a lot of stick on Twitter. It seems like stick. It's not stick. I've got a lot of respect for the man, and the man is the man is a tremendous athlete. Offensively, I don't think there's a better heavyweight in the world. I've sparred him numerous times. Offensively, I don't think I think offensively he's better than Tyson, but defensively there's so much there to work on. And I think I think he needs to fight Stavern. People say Stavern's a little old, he's a little past it. Stavern will give him rounds. Stavern is tough, and if he takes Stavern out, he just proves again that offensively he's at the highest level. Um, so yeah, Joshua and Fury is one that I'd like to see. Um, I'd like to see Tete and Rigondeaux. That's a fight I would like to see. Oh, you're reeling these ones off, man. <laughs> man, you should be a promoter because you, you put on some serious fights. Those two are definitely ones that, that a lot of people would like to see, Dave. Um, I was going to actually ask you, uh, Wilder against Joshua, I know that it's a fight that I think both parties are both going to try to avoid for the, you know, for the near future. But if that were to happen right now as their next fight, who do you see winning that one? Um, I think that's a real 50-50. I think offensively, both of them are very wild, and um, they've both got a lot of defensive frailties, and they both punch hard enough to take each other out with one shot. So I see the same with Parker. I think Parker and Joshua is a great fight for the fans. Um, you know, you say that about a lot of heavyweights, 50-50, whoever lands first. But Parker and Joshua are both good enough to land it on each other. You know, you can get two heavyweights and say, oh, they hit each other, but the likes of Breezy, I was never going to hit Joshua. Parker's good enough to stick one on Joshua, and he hits hard enough to to out him if he does so. Uh, but Wilder, Joshua, I'd probably lean towards Wilder on, on experience. But, yeah, that's that's definitely another fight that I'd like to see. You know, any any fight involving Joshua, Wilder, Fury, you know, even Klitschko at his age, you know, they're like seeing, you to see Klitschko in with Wilder or Klitschko with Joshua, you know, the, the massive fights and the heavyweight division right now is as good as, you know, it's, 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 if these all, all these names do get in the ring with each other, it's, it's going to be an amazing 18 months, two years coming up. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, the last thing I want to ask you, Dave, about your fight before I let you go. Um, in your heart of hearts, do you see this going to a points decision or do you see a knockout? I see. I, I, I don't see Dillian White. I don't think he can stop me. I, don't, I, I know he punches hard. You know, we rock Joshua. I'm coming there with a mindset. I'm going to be 
the first few rounds, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be putting the pressure on. And if Dillian comes for the fight, you know, it, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be tired in the second half of the fight. That's a definite. You know, we can be as fit as we want. We're heavyweights. I'm gonna be coming out there to force a good pace. Um, you know, if Dillian comes to try and outbox me, you know, you know, and if he wants to try and outbox for ten rounds. You know he does that. If he comes and tries to bang me out. He, he won't do that. He, he will. He will not bang me out. That is. That is just a. That is just a fact. In my mind, I will not be stopped. So I will not be stopped. I feel that very strongly. So yeah, I think. I think it's gonna. It's gonna go into the later rounds for definite because I'm. I'm looking to put the pressure on and get him out of there late. And I'm sure he's gonna be looking for the knockout as well. But when all is said and done, I see it as a late stoppage or a, or a points victory for myself. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a good fight. It's not going to be like the Gavin fight because he's going to be looking to work as well. The Gavin fight, I was poor, but I was always trying to work. I keep a good pace. Yeah, but it's like you say, it's two heavyweights and and if we do hit each other, you know, no one's chin. I've got a good chin. He's got a good chin. But if you get it on the point or you get it in, you get it in the right area, you're going to go. But I just hope for, for the sake of the build-up that we have done, you know, I just hope it, it will be a good fight. And, you know, the way I am, I come to fight, and I know he does as well. So I don't see how it can be a bad fight, you know. Um, I'm just hoping for a good fight. Both come out healthy, and I come out victorious. That that that's a perfect night for myself. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm sure it'll be a great fight. I, I really am predicting fireworks. Before I let you go, Dave, is there anybody you want to thank? Anybody you want to give a shout out to? Perhaps sponsors, anything like that. Uh, now's the time to do so. Yeah, yeah, my sponsors, the front end lab, Luke Costas, you know, he's been a big help. He's a, he's a new sponsor on board. Um, you know, he's going to be helping me out for this fight and beyond. Uh, John Shakespeare, Shacker the Bucky Smacker.com. He's been, he's been there for the Gavin fight and he's still on board now. Alpha Scaffolding, new on board again. You know, it, it wouldn't be able, it wouldn't be possible without them. You know, after the Gavin fight, I was struggling and, and itching around and, um, and, you know, they really, you know, they really, it really helped. You know, it, it is impossible for a young pro to do it without without sponsorship. You know, and obviously, I have joined a new training team uh, with the Ingles. You know, Dominic Chamey for the first part of this camp, and I've got Junior Witter and Amir Killer Khan taking over. You know, and 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 training's gone really well. And and thanks to those that have bought tickets. You know, I'm obviously pretty sure I know it's coming to Leeds to support. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Listen, David, I sincerely wish you the best of luck for Saturday night. I appreciate you giving us a bit of time this week and we'll no doubt speak again in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. Okay, that was Dave Allen there, feeling extremely confident. Both guys that we've interviewed so far in this week's show, both underdogs and both extremely oozing with confidence, which is fantastic to hear. Now, I know in the preview segment, I actually said... We're going to be speaking to Dave Allen in five or ten minutes. And I also said we're going to be speaking to Mikey Garcia in five or ten minutes. So I'm sorry that I got my timing so wrong. We've spoken to Dave Allen just there. We're now going to welcome our third and final guest. Now it's time for our third guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated two-weight world champion, Mr. Mikey Garcia. Mikey, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm very uh, honored to be here. Thank you very much. You know, it's always a pleasure. Uh, speak to to you and to everybody who, who who's listening absolutely man absolutely now it's crazy because of course um we've got you talking on our intro every week on our show but we haven't actually interviewed you yet up until today so my apologies for that taking so long to get on to you you know no 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 worries thank you for having me <laughs> 
Now, of course, you've been out of the ring since January of 2014, just over two and a half years come fight night. Can you talk about what kept you out of the ring for such a long time? I know there was a lot of promotional issues. I know you probably can't get into too much of it, but what can you tell us? Well, we were uh, going through litigation, uh, court proceedings with the uh, promoter, top rank. Um, it all started in uh, uh, April of 2014. Uh, my contract was up, but they were fighting, arguing that there was an extension that applied, which would uh, extend my contract further. And I disagree with that extension. Their interpretation is wrong and different from what I got and uh, I got uh, you know different opinions from different attorneys and they all agree with me you know the, the contract was expired at that point and we entered into litigation um, it took a lot longer to, to finally go to the court um, but when we finally did this past uh, March we had a hearing and the judge uh, interpretation of the of the of the contract uh, favored me uh, extremely well his interpretation, his choice of words were that if at any point, um, if the contract was valid, um, it would only be valid if I was a current world champion, which I wasn't anymore, or two, if I was fighting for a world title, which I am not. And uh, I had not received a single uh, offer from top rank, any serious offer to fight in the two year period that I was out of the ring. I wanted to fight. We tried to get something going, but it never happened. And, um, it, it, you know, when, when the judge gave that interpretation, Top Rank decided to uh, throw in the towel and give up and just uh, asked if I was okay with a, a general release. They just wanted me out of, their, out of their way, out of their sight. And I accepted the release, and uh, we walked away. Now we're ready to get back, and, you know, I look forward to this next stage of my career. And um, how, how frustrating has it been sitting behind the ropes for so long, of course, training to keep fit, but knowing that you haven't got anything scheduled? It's, it's tough at sometimes. It's a little tough. Um, try to get motivated. But for, for the most part, you know, I was always in the gym. These last two years, I was always sparring and training with the guys that my brother has. So it was fun. I, I'm, I still enjoy it. I enjoy sparring. I enjoy the gym. And it helped me stay in shape. It helped me stay fresh. Um, even though it's been two and a half years, it really honestly only feels like it was six months or nine months since my last fight. I feel good. I feel, I feel very confident. And, um, you know, I, I knew this day would come. I knew the end would come and I would uh, be allowed and, and be back in the ring. I just needed to wait until the judge saw my, my point and, and my view and, Luckily, you know, that, that day is here now. And another thing I wanted to ask you, Mikey, um, I've heard, I'm not too sure if I've got it right, but at the moment you're a free agent. You're not actually with a promoter. Is that right? Still free agent. That's correct. So the, you know, all the bad stuff that's gone on between yourself and top rank, does that, does that you know, rule out you ever signing with those guys again? Look, I, I, um, I don't know if I would ever uh, do an agreement with top rank, knowing the way they like to do business, the way they run their company is uh, sometimes, for the most part, not in, 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 in the fighter's favor at a certain point. They're very good. It's a very good company to develop fighters, to grow stars and develop fighters. But um, there comes a point where it's, it's not the best uh, for, the, for the fighter at that, at that point. Um, when, when you're at a certain level, 
you have to really look out for yourself and uh, the company is, is, is not really concerned with, with, with that. Um, they have a, a, a process of, of running their business and it's not in, in, in my favor. So if, um, if they were to change their, their ideology and change the way they do business and allow me to fight for them in the future or if there's a few fights that are very, very interesting to, to be made and uh, they're willing to work, we could always work together, but um, in the in the in the present time, right now, I don't I don't see it happening. There's other options for me. Um, I can I can do other things and and uh, continue my career without a top rank. Yeah, I understand that completely. Now, as I mentioned before, you're fighting on Saturday night on the Santa Cruz versus Frampton undercard against former world champion Elio Rojas. Now, of course, he's coming off almost a two-year layoff also. It's a weird one. How excited are you to get back in the ring after all this time out, Mikey? It is exciting because now I get to finally get back. I just uh, I, I need to get through this fight. I want to you know, make sure that I win this fight and, and that I, I showcase my skills to everybody. It's a great platform. Everybody's going to be watching. It's a great show. And, um, you know, people are going to be surprised with how well I perform. A lot of people have doubts that maybe the two years have cost me ring rust or that I've lost it. That moving up in weight is going to be a factor. But I, I feel very confident. I don't think that it's going to affect me at all. Rojas is a tough opponent, tough challenger. He's a former world champion, very good boxing skills. I want him to, to fight. I want him to you know, show up the best possible so that I can really show everybody that I'm, I'm a, an elite fighter. And I did want to ask you that. I want to ask you, why this opponent? Because take away the long layoff that you both had. You know, as you said just there, he's a former world champion and he's an all-round good fighter. Why such a tough comeback fight, Mikey? We don't want to be uh, picking on, on anybody that's completely going to just uh, get knocked out in one round. We, we probably could have chosen another opponent and it, it would have been okay because of my layoff. But I didn't want that, you know. I wanted somebody who, who, who is uh, worthy of, of fighting and getting in the ring with me. A former world champion like Elio Rojas is perfect. We had other names uh, mentioned uh, to us, but um, they were either denied or they rejected the, the fight. And Elio Rojas uh, stepped up to the plate. He, he accepted the fight. He was ready. He's going to ready for, for the time that we needed him. So we decided to go with him. Is there any chance those two and a half years outside of the ring may have swallowed your prime, Mikey? How confident are you that we're still yet to see the best of Mikey Garcia? I, I am in my prime. You know, I, uh, I was off for two years, but I'm only 28 right now. I feel strong. I feel healthy. I, I feel very, very confident. I've been in the ring the whole time in the gym training, so I don't feel like I've lost anything. And uh, if, if, if anything at all, I think I, I'm more motivated now. I'm hungrier now than I was before. That The little break actually has helped me, you know, spark that fire again. And there's a lot more that I need to accomplish in, in, in the boxing world. So you're, you're very confident that, that that layoff wouldn't have taken anything away. You're, you know, you're, you reckon you can come back and pick up where you left off, yeah? Yes, I'm, I'm very confident. Uh, I, I believe I'm still in my prime. Um, you know, I had to take a break for, for two years, but I'm, I'm only 28. I was never injured. I was never hurt. 
Um, you know, so I, I feel very, very, very healthy. I think my body is, is very healthy right now, stronger than before. Um, I am moving up in weight, but uh, that's something that I had all, already planned prior to me uh, taking the break. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, the break has actually helped uh, motivate me more and, and uh, spark that fire once again. Because uh, at a point, I was already getting a little tired of bored of the same routine and, and just, you know, training camp after training camp, fight after fight, nonstop. So the, the break has allowed me to, to, you know, enjoy myself, have time to myself, have a, a nice vacation. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm back. You know, I'm, I'm hungry now. I feel, I feel great. There's a lot I want to accomplish. Uh, more titles that I want to win, and I, I just I'm, I'm sure people are going to be very happy with the way I perform. Yeah, me for one. Um, now this fight you're having on the weekend it's at 140. You just said there that you're moving up, so you're so you're basically officially going to start campaigning at 140. Is that right? This fight is going to be uh, 140 pounds, um, but I plan on moving down to 135 pounds. The lightweight division. I want to fight for a world title in the lightweight division. Um, soon, I hopefully I can get that fight before the end of this year. Okay, yeah, because when you said you're moving up in weight, I was just checking if it was like a long term thing. If it's just for maybe this fight and maybe the next or whatever, then that's 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 all cool. Because I heard a few things, a few um, whispers that you were perhaps trying to get uh, Terry Flanagan in the ring. Of course. Yes. Well, the reason why, see, I was champion at the featherweight limit and super featherweight. Uh, both times for the WBO title. Terry Flanagan holds the lightweight WBO title, and that's the uh, reason why I want him. I want that belt. I, I, I have preference over for the WBO. He's a champion. He's undefeated. Great boxer. Just had another another victory this past week, um, and that's who, who I would uh, really want to have a, a title fight with. Uh, I think it'll be a great fight, and uh, I, I want to get that title in the lightweight division. Do you think, in your opinion, do you think Terry Flanagan is the main man at, at in the lightweight division? I know that there's obviously, you've got, you know, the likes of Linares out there and also Anthony Crawler doing a lot of big things over here in the UK as well. Well, because uh, Flanagan is uh, undefeated, he's, uh, he's in, 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 in his moment right now. He's very confident. He, he's a world champion. You know, that's, that's who I, uh, I target right now. Um, Crawler is fighting Linares. You know, winner of them. If we can, you know, possibly later maybe unify the the, the titles, and you know, those are going to be great fights. You know, these, these are all great champions. But uh, my first objective is to win the first world title that uh, Terry Flanagan holds. I really want that WBO title. <laughs> and um, I want to ask you about a couple of other fights taking place. Um, I want to get your opinion on Canelo taking on Liam Smith. What do you think about this fight, uh, Mikey? Well, it was a surprise because uh, everybody wanted to see Canelo and, and Triple G. Yeah. Um, it seems like uh, Canelo is not ready for, for a fight like that. And instead of uh, moving up in weight, decides to come down to 154 pounds. If he feels more comfortable at 154, then just stay at 154. No need to be fighting at 155 or any catch weight. Stay at 154. If he's fighting uh, you know, Smith for a WBO title at 154 pounds, then just stay there. End the conversations of fighting Triple G, you know, and 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 you know, just just challenge, you know, every, anybody who's at that at that uh, super welterweight junior middleweight division. 
Yeah, for sure. Also, I wanted to get your opinion on Kel Brook against Golovkin. You know, re- realistically, most people would have liked to see Canelo fight Golovkin and Kel Brook fight Liam Smith, but it's gone the other way around. Yeah, well, um, you see, if, if uh, Kel Brook is taking on this big challenge in front of him, you know, I, I give him all the credit and all, all the uh, the credit he deserves for taking and believing in himself like that. But it's it's a big, big difference in weight, big size difference. Um, it's not like like Kel Brook is moving up to fight a small 160 or a 160 pounder who has moved up from the you know junior welter welterweight division and little by little gained you know momentum into into the middleweight limit. You know it's not like when when Cotto was there. Cotto's a small guy compared to the natural middleweights. Cotto was originally 140 pounds, then 147, 154 is already a stretch, and then 160. So you got guys that have moved up in weight, have accomplished, you know, titles there, but are naturally smaller guys. And Triple G is not that guy. Triple G is a huge 160. He's very, very strong. Kel Brook is going to have a, a, a tough fight, I think. He can box, and that's what I, I, I think he needs to do, box and, 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 and make uh, Golovkin miss and make him pay. And if he can do that, then he, he has a chance. But uh, as far as size and, and, and strength advantages, Triple G has all those advantages. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, as I mentioned, you're you're fighting on the undercard of Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton. How do you see this one going? A lot of people, um, you know, from this side of the water, giving props to Carl Frampton for moving up. He's been he's been shouting out Leo Santa Cruz's name for a couple of years now, so he's finally got the fight. But who do you reckon's going to win this one? I know you. I know what you're going to say already. <laughs> no, well, it is it is a very very good fight. It's a tough fight. For both guys, uh, Frampton, you know, world champion, 122-pounder. Uh, at a time, Leo was also there, 122. So they're, they're, they're evenly matched. Um, as far as the skills, they're both great fighters. Um, I, I think that, that, you know, the height and reach that, that uh, Leo has over Frampton might help him. But uh, not so much because Leo doesn't really use his reach. He doesn't really box on the outside. He, he comes in throwing a lot of punches. And uh, he's also, you know, exposed to, to getting hit. So I think it's going to be a very even fight. It's a tough fight for both guys. You know, they're both champions, you know. you know, So it, it's a very good fight. Um, I have to side a little bit more with Leo for that edge in, in size. But, um, you know, I'm sure Frampton is going to give him all he has. And, and um, you know, it's going to be a very close fight. Uh, to me, it's almost a, 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 a toss-up. You know, it's almost a pick-up fight. It's almost 50-50. Okay. Okay. Now I want to ask you this. Um, it was a bit unexpected because we had Thomas Williams Jr. on the show earlier and I uh-huh. asked him, I asked him a question. I said to him, who would you say you've got a similar style to? And he said, Mikey Garcia. And I said, whoa, that's a bit of a strange one. I didn't expect him to say that. And I said, oh, Mikey's uh-huh. a friend of the show. And he said, oh, I love Mikey. I love Mikey. So I've got to ask you, how do you think his chances are going to be against um, Adonis Stevenson on the 29th? Well, uh, Stevenson is, uh, you know, very, very uh, heavy hitter. But, um, you know, he hasn't really performed so well. He hasn't met expectations. He's had a, a few fights where people people uh, aren't very uh, happy with, with the way the opponents that he has. So, I mean, it, it's a very good fight. I think, um, you know, if, if he's well prepared, he comes in shape and wants to take that, you know, that title and, 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 you know, show everybody, 
he's got the skills. He can definitely do that. Um, you know, Stevenson's getting older too. He's he's getting older, so it's it's not it's not gonna be you know one side of five for 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 Stevenson. Um, it's actually gonna be a very good fight. I like his chances. Yeah, yeah, me too. Thomas Williams Jr. said that he reckons he's going to knock him out within six. So we got our fingers crossed that he can that he can do that. Um, if you were a promoter, if you could promote any any fight in in the world of boxing right now, not like the you know those crazy fantasy fights, one guy from his prime against another guy, but in today's boxing, so all current boxers, what fight would you make if you could see any fight in any weight class? Well, you would. Uh match a few guys. Um, I would like to see uh, Triple G and Canelo. Um, I would also like to see, which I think from what I know, it, it's going to happen uh, later you know, in the year, uh, Ward and, and uh, uh, Kovalev. I think that's happening in November maybe. So yeah. those fights are very interesting. Um, in the smaller weight classes, um, you, got, you got guys like um, Chocolatito versus Estrada. I think that would be a, a very good fight. Um, and around around my division, I mean, you got you got Crawford. I would love to fight Crawford. I mean, those, those, those are the matchups that you need. You know, you got to have, you know, every once in a while, you need those those matchups between two world champions in that division. And, uh, you know, that, that, that determines the man. And you got guys, you know, right now, Linares fighting Krola. That will, you know, also be a great match, very great uh, matchup for, for the lightweight division. Um, you know, so sometimes you do get them. Sometimes because of politics and business, you're, you're not able to, to get the fights that we want. But, you know, those are fights that I think everybody can agree are, are great matches and, and uh, everybody will, will be enjoying I have to ask everybody this from the United States and any other country, to be honest. Who is your favorite UK fighter, past or present? I had uh, I had always liked uh, Ricky Hannon. He was exciting. He he was uh, aggressive. He came to fight. Um, great body puncher. You know, he had great body work. Um, and he brought the fans, man. The fans were, were exciting. I never got to see him live. But I saw him on the television. Oh, my God, this guy brought in a crowd. And I've liked uh, Ricky Hannon. And the last thing now, Mikey, um, one last question I'm actually going to throw in there. If it was down to you, who would you like to fight? If you could only get one fight, you know, by the end of the year, would it be Crawford at 140 for the WBC and WBO titles? Or would you rather fight Flanagan at 135 for his WBO lightweight title? I would go after Crawford uh, at 140 because he's going to be holding WBO and WBC, two titles at once, you know? Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, so just before I let you go, Mikey, any any message to the UK fans? Because a lot, a lot of guys absolutely love you over here. You know, everybody I hear speaking about you over here always says good things, and we've been desperate trying to find out what's going on, and we're so excited that you're back. So a message for any UK fans supporting your journey. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for for the support. I I hear you guys are, are big fans, and and I know it's it's boxing is huge out there. I I really wish I can come out there sometime and and maybe uh, get a fight out there, and then so you guys can have a chance to see me live. Uh, it might end up being against one of your 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 fella 
fighters, but uh, you know it'll definitely be a great fight. So I appreciate all that. Thank you very much for all the support. And uh, you know, just look forward to to the the next stage of my career. It's going to be a memorable one. Absolutely. Excellent stuff, Mikey. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Finally, it's great to have your voice on the intro every single week. So I just want to give you a special thank you for giving us a bit of time on this week's show, my friend. So close to your fight. I wish you the best of luck for Saturday night. Thank you very much. You're welcome very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 43 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. What a whopper of a show, if I may say so myself. We've spoken to Mikey Garcia, we've spoken to Thomas Williams Jr., and we've spoken to Dave Allen in no particular order. The best of luck to all three guys. I think it's the first time we've actually had three guys on our show that are all fighting on the upcoming weekend. We had no fighters on from last weekend probably because there wasn't too much to choose from there was hardly anything on but I wish the best of luck to all three guys and thank you very much to all of you for coming on this week's show a massive thank you as always to the fans that make this show exactly what it is remember to tweet us on Twitter to let us know who you'd like to replace Jim Watt in the commentary seat we'll be back next week with another big show as always until then take care <laughs>